You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode. As always, please rate, subscribe, comment, tell your friends, your family, your audition buddies, everyone, because without you, I'd be nothing. So please tell everyone so they can listen. And of course, I'd be nothing without the Broadway Podcast Network as well. So thank you to Alan, Dory, Katie, Yo, Patrick, you're all fabulous and wonderful. And also, if you listen to Josh Johnston's episode, two episodes back, uh, we were talking about Radio Play Revival. His podcast, his incredible podcast featuring legends like Samuel L. Jackson and Jessica Chastain, so many fabulous people. That's on Broadway Podcast Network now as well. So you can listen to that on BPN. So download the app and go to bpn.fm for more. I'm so excited to uh, share this episode with you featuring Christine Petty, the lady of a thousand voices. She has been one of my biggest inspirations for so long. Uh, so I'm so glad I get to talk with her in this way. I first met her uh, doing uh, Covenant House Sleep Out and fangirled over her. And then we stayed in touch. And um, I asked her, since I became the director of programming at Green Room 42, to do a residency there. She just had a show in January. And she has two more shows coming up at the Green Room 42. She has one on February 20th and one on March 31st, both at 9.30. So please check those out. Head to the Green Room 42 website to get your tickets now. And if you can't make it to the theater, there are live stream tickets available as well. Speaking of Green Room 42, uh, I have an announcement to make. Um, I've been there as director of programming for seven months now, and I am about to conclude my run. Um, I had a wonderful time, and I learned so much about myself and the industry and the art of cabaret and concert, but... What I learned most importantly was about one massive thing, and that's finally putting myself first. Um, hustle is a huge part of being a multi-hyphenate, but how you hustle is even more important. And I wasn't hustling the right way. Uh, I wasn't putting myself first, and I was starting to watch different parts of my life sort of um, deteriorate for those reasons. So um, I'm putting a boundary up with myself, I'm taking care of myself, and I'm going to be able to still be a multi-hyphenate, um, an actor, photographer, producer, writer, podcaster, but this time I'm taking a page from my book, because without boundaries, without taking care of myself first, I'm not going to be an artist at all. So um, 
I'll miss so much of what I get to do at the Green Room 42. I will. Um, and I'll do it in other ways, um, but I'll still be in the photo studio. Uh, my book is coming out. I have other projects to announce soon. I'll still be doing my podcast. I'll still be writing. There's still so much to, to do, but now I get to do it on my own pace because I'm taking care of myself. Uh, how lucky am I to do that? Um, so yeah, that's all I got to say about that. And uh, I'm pretty proud of myself. To be honest, it feels good. It feels good to take care of myself. And I hope that you get to take care of yourself as well. Anyway, moving on, I wanted to share something that I discovered in the studio today. I had a wonderful client, my 12 o'clock client, wonderful client, super prepared, super present, and made great choices behind the lens. But she had brought it was my two look package and she was very adamant on having one outfit that included flannel. It was like a black tank, a sweater, and then flannel on top of it to show like she could do Ozark and she could do something dystopian or post-apocalyptic, not to quote drag race, but post-apocalyptic and uh, Handmaid's Tale, you know, Hunger Games vibe. And she didn't need it. And I could tell that she was a little wary at first about it because it was almost like a crutch. Like the flannel equal, you know, it equals A, B, and C. And while that's true about many things you wear in the headshot session, you don't need them to be a crutch. The stories do not come with what you're wearing. The stories come with what you are presenting with your energy. What I mean by that is so many people are like, what constitutes as a look? And every photographer has a different, you know, rule. But mine is it's a vibe. Each vibe is a look. So dystopian, post-apocalyptic, Hunger Games, Ozark, Handmaid's Tale vibe, that energy is one look. But the way that you, the way that you come up with that look is through collaboration with your photographer. You communicate that. The photographer then comes up with the lighting, the background, the vibe, and then the actor brings it forward in the lens. The wearing of the clothes should only enhance it. The flannel would only distract it. The flannel is this crutch for that'll do the storytelling, but that's not true. The flannel doesn't do the storytelling. You do the storytelling, and we saw that in the lens today, so I want to share my thoughts on that, you know. There are two things. One, Coco Chanel always says this. Well, she she said this. She's she's not with us anymore. If she still was saying this, um, you know, uh, as an empath, I, I feel like I'd pick up on it already. But, um, well, you know, she said um, before you, and I'm, I, I'm paraphrasing, always take something off before you leave the house to edit, you know? Um, and I thought... I think that's wonderful, and that applies to headshots. What also applies to headshots is something Michelle Visage says on Drag Race, and that's um, stop relying on that body. Stop relying on that body, and it's true. Stop relying on that flannel. You are the ones that are telling the story. Keep it simple. If it enhances the vibe, if it enhances the story, absolutely, but remember you are the one that is ultimately telling the story, not your flannel. Get it? Got it? So think about that when coming up with your looks for your headshots. Do you absolutely need it? Or can you put it into the headshot yourself? 
It's all about storytelling, my friends. Everything we do is storytelling. Making a podcast, storytelling. Auditioning, storytelling. Getting your headshots done, storytelling. And speaking of storytelling, I am so excited to welcome my guest, Christine Petty, to the Dear Multi-Hyphenate family. I'm so excited. Christine Petty is known as the Lady of a Thousand Voices, and she really is. I mean, if you know, if you've heard an impression of Angela Lansbury or Patti Lapone or Bernadette Peters or Merman, it's it's Christine Petty. If you listen to the Howard Stern show and you hear Joan Rivers calling in from the pearly gates, that's Christine Petty. She's incredible, and I grew up listening to her on Sirius XM Radio alongside Seth Rudesky and Julie James, and also the Forbidden Broadway cast albums. She is a legend, and she has been on Broadway thrice, in Chicago, in Little Me, and in talk radio. She was also on The Sopranos, and she's also made famous Shit Liza Says. So you know her, you love her, and you've certainly heard her. I'm so excited to welcome to Dear Multi-Hyphenate, Christine Petty. Uh, I have been listening to this guest. I'm going to take out, because the last time I told an audience how long I've been listening to this guest, um, it didn't cause a, an, uh, a rift between us, but it, um, I certainly got a glance as to never do that again. So, But I'm just going to say for a long time, I've been listening to this person on Sirius XM Radio, on Forbidden Broadway cast albums, on YouTube. I mean... This perfor- this performer and now friend is quotable, is imitable, but too many syllables. Inimitable and just downright amazing. I am so excited to welcome to Dear Multi Hyphenate the lady, the dame, the OG lady of a thousand <laughs> voices. Somebody else used that term, OG. I didn't know what it meant. And then they told me, I'm like, yeah, all right. Okay. I'm really not. I mean, Marilyn Michaels is the real OG. You don't even know who she is. But if you look her up on YouTube, Marilyn Michaels is who I watched when I was a little girl on all the variety shows Mm. where people who do what I do had opportunities to do it, you know, like and, and reach a broad audience. So Marilyn Michaels, who's still around, um, wow, and in very good voice uh, in New York, was the real OG. Well, we were sort of talking about other opportunities where performers, uh, performers could get their start, like the new faces of you know fifty eight or sixty three, mm-hmm. and and also like the upstairs and the downstairs. We were talking about that in your dressing room at Green Room Forty Two before your show, and you know what it would take to. Do something like that where people can really show off their writing skills and their comedy skills on a macro level, like a Broadway stage. Why do you think do you think something like that would happen today? Or do you think like like spaces like 54 Below, Green and 42, Birdland, Joe's Pub are those new spaces? Well, there's certainly the new spaces, but the the you know, as is the case with everything in New York City, the 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 cost, I think, is just a lot more. I can't speak honestly from personal experience. I don't know what it cost back then, but I know that they these were more, I think the places you're talking about were more like joints and just more affordable, I, I believe. Just going to a Broadway show was more affordable. I, I have a relative of my grandmother's generation named Tom Petty, who was in the original Guys and Dolls. He played Harry the Horse. And um, I met a woman 
a, a friend of a friend, and she said, "Wait a minute, you're related to Tom Petty." And I said, "Yeah." She went, "I didn't know you were related to that for that you were that petty." She said, "I saw Guys and Dolls fifty-two times." I said, "What?" She went, "I went every Friday night after my secretarial job. I got a standing room ticket every Friday night to Guys and Dolls, and I saw it fifty-two times." And and you were able to do that as a New York as a resident of New York City. You were able to really soak up a, a lot, you know, uh, at, on whatever budget you were on. And I'm not so sure it's quite as affordable now. People do it, though. You know, nobody you and I know are rolling in dough. I mean, <laughs> but we have hardcore fans and friends who show up at these places. Mm. I think the cost, I think the proportion of, of, of your weekly salary, however, is more than it was once upon a time. I, I just don't. I can't quite tell if it's the art form that just isn't of interest to people as much. You never go to see cabaret shows or there's sketch comedy. Mm-mm. I mean, um, and, and it's not like uh, it's as if sketch comedy is relegated just to not relegated like it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a quarantine of some sort, but uh, to um, to improv companies like Upright Citizens Brigade or the groundlings in LA. I mean, you sit, say sketch comedy and you think that, but I'm talking about people who, you know, write sketches and do them. And I mean, I guess I did the closest to that with forbidden Broadway and definitely musical, the musical, because we were more likely to have not as often as I would have liked, trust me, but just a funny sketch short, but funny. Um, And I don't know why people are not as, it may be a cyclical thing. I, I, you know, it just may be a, a cultural cycle of some sort. I think it has to do with two things. I think one, we take ourselves very seriously today. Um, yeah. I think we take ourselves extremely seriously and um, right, rightfully so. I mean, there are things that we have to talk about in our art that in order for us to get to the next place, the next the next step um, I think we have to talk about and it has to show up in our art. And I, I, but I do feel like um, at times we have lost our sense of humor and uh, unfortunately the, the spaces in which we have humor like sketch musical theater and um, the old, that old feeling of the upstairs or the downstairs, the, that, that really, let's write something, try it out and do it in front of an audience. I don't think it exists in this moment right now because other things have taken it, it's, it's place. And um, there, but, but then that is also morphed into like different, like new, new uh, collectives and um, round tables and, and groups like musical theater factory and live and in color, these groups that are cultivating the new generation of writers. It's just done in a much, um, I think much more structured and I don't want to say serious because there are still uh, shows that have levity and there's still comedy shows being written, but I think the stakes are higher um, in terms of people wanting to uh, be seen and be heard um, back. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, based on what I've read, uh, you know, in Madeline Kahn's biography, it was just, they were doing it for fun and they were doing it because there was, they couldn't do anything else. And that was how they expressed themselves. But I think it's just different today. So hopefully, I don't know how you feel about that, but hopefully we, we do start to see what um, today's version of 
that is because I long for it. I listen to the Forbidden Broadway cast albums and I'm, I would love to be in an audience and and uh, and, and see that. And um, Well, I think the medium has changed too. I mean, people go to YouTube when they think of a funny idea. Even I do, you know. I mean, look, I you know, my Liza Minnelli uh, bits are, they're, heavily edited but there was nothing to keep me and my friends from having just brainstormed and instead of filming what we did just uh writing it all down and editing it and cleaning it up on paper instead of on film and then creating uh you know an on stage uh shit liza says moment it's it's innately uh it's innately um created for the the small screen i mean that's the the energy of the dialogue and the energy of the uh, of the content is meant for quick edits and for for film for for video but and that's that's where our head was and so that's what we created but none of us ever thought well let's do uh, look believe me if i could find if i could find a partner who was creative, and 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 do a a, a reboot a, a Nichols and May for the twenty first century? Just me and another talented guy, and just sit sit on stage and create scenes and stories. I'd be the happiest woman alive. You know, I don't know where to find these people. I I I have a lot of talented friends, a lot of talented friends and funny friends. I don't know that they. How do I put it? I uh, and if they're listening, they'll think, "Well, I could write." And I'm like, "That's not what I mean." What? I, and I can write too, but what? Uh, but I don't. But I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't walk of, around with a pen and paper in my purse or a dictation. I don't do it. I don't know what it is. The, uh, you know, this is a podcast for multi hyphenates and for people that think they are, people that are, people that aren't, and want to understand more. Like this is just dissecting sort of the theater multi-hyphenate and how we do we how we how we handle multiple proficiencies proficiencies at once uh how interests become part of our professional identity how we make money off of a b and c and um i it's what would you since you're since you you know started off with saying i'm not a writer what would you say your hyphens are well the, the first big hyphen is my work in radio. I started in radio in college. I went to college, to Fordham University, not to be a performer. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a musical theater uh, degree. I didn't. The, my college um, career nights really kept that a secret. Let me tell you, in my in my in my fancy prep school that I went to, that was just nowhere on the table. If had I known, all right. But I didn't know anything about it. It was never an option. It was never discussed. It was never, my parents. My parents probably would have said okay. I, I, you know, they were pretty open. But I had a limited amount of uh, options because of money, and uh, I looked at Fordham University, and that was going to be one of the options because I couldn't live away. And all of a sudden, the girl who gave me the tour, who I just. As a matter of fact, this week I donated a master class to the Fordham University alumni, I don't know, silent auction. She reached out to me. Isn't that funny? So many decades later. But she opened the door and she said, and this is the radio station. And one full corridor of this, it's it's the castle on the Rose Hill campus. So it's four 
corridors around a courtyard, you know, uh, three stories high, beautiful castle. One of these corridors was totally blocked off, and it was the Fordham University WFUV radio station. And it was completely student-run. And I said, well, what is this? And she told me, and I said, wait a minute, I can take classes here? She went, no, you just volunteer. It's just like a club almost, you know? And that was it. I said, if I can do that, I mean, if, if I can play, I can make radio, like who, what are you talking about? This is a no brainer. And I was going to be a communications major anyway. I was almost going to be a art therapy, psych, you know, child psychologist, but oh, wow. I went to Fordham and I saw that radio station and I thought, oh no, this is, this is everything. And I, my two best friends are still, uh, are people I met at that radio station. It was full of young students who from morning to night created news, sports, music programming, rock music, classical music. Uh, I became the arts editor like my junior year. So I started going to theater for free. I'll never forget calling up a press agent asking if I could do an interview. She went, all right, well, I got to get you into the show then. And I went, what? She wow. said, yeah, let me get you into the show. When can you go? I went, this was, remember, giving a college student who didn't have a pot to piss in free tickets to a show. I didn't understand that. Oh, I picked it up very quickly, let me tell you. <laughs> so I would take the Ram van, because the Ram is the Fordham, Fordham Rams is the uh, is the mascot, from the, the, Rose Hill, the Rose Hill campus in the Bronx to the Lincoln Center campus. And then I would walk to the theater district and see plays and then walk all the way back to Lincoln Center because I had no money, you know, I couldn't afford buses. And uh, I take the Ram, it was a dollar to take the Ram van back to the Bronx and then I drive home. And I did that and the shows that I saw, oh my God. So that really started me into radio. But when I graduated, there were no radio jobs and I, I, I just tempted, you know, and I... I was really stupid. Boy, was I dumb. But anyway, I tempt and uh, the I knew all the radio stations locally because I had friends who worked at them and there were there were no jobs to speak of. And uh, I started doing community theater. And after a few years of community theater, doing great roles like Evita and Funny Girl and Audrey and Little Shop, mm. and, you know, I mean, uh, just incredible, My Fair Lady, really great roles in very, very, very well-produced productions. Mm -hmm. That's where I met John Tracy Egan, who is a dear friend. He and I did, I forget, some children's theater together. And so uh, Doreen Montalvo, we did Grease together. Oh, wow. Um, and so... Um, after a couple of years of that, I realized I ha I had a I had a temp job that was with a telethon. I did manage to get something in you know in television, but it was it was just a secretarial job, and I loved my boss, but I hated my job. And it took me two years to get up the gumption to leave the job. Mm. Uh, I waited a year so I could get dental with my health insurance, mm -hmm. and I had all four wisdom teeth removed on the day. <laughs> I had dental and I thought now I'm going to quit. And it took me another year to get up the gumption to quit. And I pursued a career as an actress with no, exp no experience other than community theater. Only one friend, John, who was in the business and I knew nothing. So it took years before I got my first real proper, I'll call it my first real proper 
full-time job, which was with Forbidden Broadway. Mm. And, um, and then I stayed with the family in, uh, the first job I had with them was, uh, what the heck did I do? Then that big national tour, big non-equity national tour, 67 cities in 104 days. Wow. Uh, yeah. And we only had five days off where we weren't traveling or performing. It was, a, it was amazing. I was young. Yeah. And, and then I went on to many, many, many different companies. So I was doing, I was a working actress in the theater. And then it took, I got to think of the timeline like another 15 years. And my friend from Fordham University, Paul Cavalcante, who is a major DJ here in New York City on three major New York City radio stations, including the Fordham University radio station, WFUV, which is renowned. You've got to listen. Every, people can listen now on their, I can't say it out loud, Alexa, because if I say it too loud, it'll, she'll do things. She'll say, what do you but, want? Yeah. And, um, Anyway, he said that Sirius XM Radio was looking for someone to host their on-Broadway channel. They had not gone public yet. They were still in test markets, but they were about to, and they were finishing up, you know, manning up all the different channels. And on September 9th, 2001, I interviewed, and he said, we'd like to use you. Somebody will call you. On September 11th, I was supposed to have another interview for the Jazz Channel. Wow. Which never happened. Mm -hmm. And it took them until the spring. I assume they didn't want me really because mm -hmm. it took them until the spring to finally get me on payroll and start me up. Wow. So it's been 20 years this spring. So wow. that's the big hyphenate. And I remember reaching a point where I said, wait a minute. I did a little math and I said, I've actually made back the money I spent in college to pay for my communications degree, I've actually made back the money in a job in communications. There you go. Um, and so those were the, that was the big hyphen it. And then many years after that, Gerard Alessandrini from Forbidden Broadway at, ha, had been closed for years now. And I had been uh, not been with the company for a decade. You know, I had been with musical the musical, Anyway, he wanted to get together and he sat down with me saying he had an idea for a new show and would I be interested? He wanted me to produce it, not to be in it, but to produce it with David Zippel. And I, I was like, oh, what's he talking about? Like, you know, and he said, I think you and I have a good shorthand, which we do. And I always got along with Gerard and mm -hmm. understood his work style, <laughs> which is, you know, specific to him and, um, he said, here it is. And he laid down a script and it said Spamilton. And it had that iconic star with the silhouette of Hamilton. But instead of the fist in the air, he has his thumb. He's thumbing his nose. Yeah. It's so good. And I looked at it and I went, sure. Because I knew immediately, not, you know, I knew I, I would never be unhappy with anything Gerard wrote. I mean, I, you know. And so there was my, that was a big hyphenate. And I remember at some point when I was, a Jordan Roth said to me when I was producing Hamilton and I was in it and he know he's, I think he's a listener. He said, you know, you're one of the rare people that I can think of who's, um, who is a on stage talent, but also a producer and also a member of the press mm -hmm. who can, you know, wear all those hats. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I believe probably 
I'm thinking about it. I I don't think I, I yeah Seth Rudetsky. I I don't know that yeah I I guess he was a producer probably yeah of of you know disaster of, uh, disaster he certainly was in it and mm-hmm. he's a member of the press. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, uh, you know, I was very impressed with that that mm-hmm. he said that until I realized just the other day that <laughs> when you were telling me about hyphenates, there's other people who've done that. Not <laughs> not that many. You know what I mean? I don't mean, I mean to burst your bubble. You know, but... George Bernard Shaw maybe did it, you know, when he did some stage work. He also wrote and and then of course he he was a member of started out as a member of the press. So those are, you know, three hyphenates under the same umbrella. I think they're certainly tangential and nothing it's not like i'm also a expert fly fisherman or something well that and that's i love that you say that because even if you do have a i think what gets confusing with multi-hyphenates is like if you have a um a uh, hobby or you just or you do have a side business it doesn't necessarily mean it goes into your multi-hyphenate identity i think everything has to bleed together you are a member of the press you use those interviews to make connections or you you uh, are able to talk about the projects that you're working on on the press that you've produced on the side. It, it, the way that it bleeds together, it all informs each other. And I love, and I don't have too many people on this podcast that started in the industry as something else and then became a performer. Um, my friend Robbie Roselle, I was just at dinner with him the other day, and he has the same sort of um, experience. He did not start as a performer in the industry and now as a performer in the industry and I love that you started as uh as in the radio and I did I, I didn't start in the industry in the radio but I had the same situation I got at Ithaca College I got a tour of the communications building and it happened to be Sunday morning and I uh, my friend was giving me a tour of one of the recording rooms and she said this is my friend Cassie and she hosts Best of Broadway WICB and oh, I wow. said and I literally looked at her and I said, honey, do you have any idea what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. And she um, said, no, not really. And I said, can I can I join you as a co-host every Sunday? And she said, absolutely. And we hosted the show together. And she was playing things like, and I love these shows, of course, like My Fair Lady, Guys and Dolls, things like that. But then I was like, well, what about the things that are playing off-Broadway in the city right now? What yeah. about the cult, the things that are shaping culture, the things that are showing up in college auditions, the things that are showing up on the Ithaca College main stage. Let's play those cast albums. Let's do interviews. We brought Andrea Burns in and Nihal Joshi because they were doing um, uh, Next to Normal at the Hangar Theater. So we brought them in live. And guess who my biggest inspiration was for for how I was hosting? It was the three amigos over at SiriusXM. It was you, Seth, and Julie. Like, listening, having you in my ear, going to you know, my, my high school shows and listening with my mom and we got Sirius XM because of Howard Stern. And we were like, <laughs> we were like Oh, who my I, God, no, I'm actually, you know, I do voices for Howard Stern. I hope he's one. I please tell me he's one. I know that if I were to ever meet him, I would not shake his hand because I know he doesn't like handshakes, but I get a good vibe from him. And I hope he's wonderful. Howard Stern has a connection to my college radio station. Our wow. we only had two we only had two grown-ups who worked there, the general manager and the chief engineer. And the chief engineer knew Howard when he worked up at W, I think it was WRNW, which is referred to in the movie that he made. Private and uh always has said nice things about Howard. And um I 
I met him at a at an event. It was like a telethon. This was before he was he was he he had just started in New York because I also interned at WNBC Radio just before Howard started, um, and I actually worked for Pig Vomit, the guy that was the program manager. He he was everything. Howard said he was. He used to pin me up against the Xerox machine. I mean, yeah. But I had such a good sense of humor about it. and You know, I just didn't take anything he did seriously. Um, But trust me, that guy would be in a whole hell of a lot of trouble these days. He was a harmless guy, actually. He was actually totally harmless. Um, And he probably would have been put in his place in in an easier, simpler way Mm -hmm. had it been a different time. But anyway, my... I just have always gotten good vibes about him. My my just my personal vibes. Everything I've been told about him, um, and I just get this sense when I listen to him. Even though he says some of the skeeviest things at times, especially farther, you know, in the down the line in the past, you know. Um, but I, I've always had a. I've always liked the guy. I just always liked the guy. I think um, he has a I think he has a really interesting way of connecting liberals and conservatives together. And there was a critic that said that Hillary Clinton's biggest mistake in the 2016 election was not going on was not accepting Howard Stern's invitation and going on his show. Well, that's really interesting because I know a lot of people who listen to him and I go, "You d- really? It's like yeah. that I just think I didn't think you would, you know." Yeah. Um, but if you ever hear Joan Rivers on the Howard Stern show coming yeah. coming in from heaven, that's me. Oh, that's you. Yeah, that's me. That's amazing. Because they were <laughs> friends. Yeah, of course. He misses her terribly, and he he you know yeah absolutely. That's um, amazing. And she was she was another one who was always I've just never had a I met her a couple of times very briefly, and she's always she was always kind and polite and elegant and. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I just always got the best vibe from her. And as a matter of fact, I, I have to tell the story that the day she passed, I was at a, a rare Thursday matinee of Phantom of the Opera. And um, I was with my niece and it was Sierra Boggess and Norm Lewis. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to see it because these were two people that I love very much. And uh, it was at intermission and my niece said, oh God, Joan Rivers passed. And I was like, so sad, you know? So at the end of the show, I was waiting to say hi to Norm. We were on stage. Everybody was on stage, which is the thing now, you know, go to dressing rooms, you go, you wait on stage. And everybody was talking to their pockets of friends. And James Monroe Iglehart was there too, because he was working, but it was a Thursday matinee. So he got to, you know, he got to see the show. So I was talking to Norm and James and my niece. And then I said, you know, Joan Rivers passed, but nobody knew because they had been busy. They were doing their second act. And he said, oh, wow. And Norm made an announcement to the other cast members. And we had this wonderful conversation about Joan Rivers and about how she loved the theater and how she supported it. And it really, it really fueled her. We could feel that, you know, with, with her constant, constant support of Forbidden Broadway in my case. And, and I, we gave her this little memorial and it was on the stage of the majestic theater right after a performance. And I, just by talking to her, I just thought it was the loveliest way to honor her. And I was so happy that I, I was able to, 
um, live in the wake of her, this bad news in a in an elegant um, and way and, and to honor her in a way that I think she would have loved knowing that the theater community was really speaking fondly of her on stage. I don't know. I just, I just, it's a fond memory. Excuse the sirens. It's time for today's lucky land horoscope with Victoria cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's interesting that you say that because what I love about your interviews and when I listen to you on Sirius, um, the way that you bring perspective and meaning into the things that you're talking about make me go. And this is, you know, I was, I, I love to ask my clients and I go, whose careers do you want to steal? And I don't mean that like in a, you're going to take them away. But when, when you're in the headshot session, when you're in a headshot session with me, I want it to be as specific possible. So if you're telling me you want a Rachel Brosnahan and you want something that you can do, you know, Maisel by day and then an indie film where, you know, you're a mom running away, a single mom running away from, you know, whatever, a drama by night, we're going to do that in a headshot session. We're going to dissect that. And so a big question is, whose career do you want to steal? Who, who do, when they, when, when, when they move on to other types of work, who do you, like, who interests you right now? And you are one of the people that I say, because of the type of work that you do and the way that you do it, the way that you can just bring in a story, a perspective, and make it something beautiful and positive it's just it's to me it's why i'm in the industry because people like you are storytellers and you make everything you do about the moment and i think it's one of my favorite things about you and and how you approach your work well thank you i i you know i i it it means a lot to me because i that's what I strive for. I, I, I mean, we're not here to just sing along to 76 trombones <laughs> again. Right. Um, it, 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 you know, you just have to look at things from a different, every time you repetition often reveals something new. And that's why I tell people, look, I, <laughs> you know, you know who Lilo is? Lilo yes, is from, in the original. Can-Can. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think she's still alive. 
at like she's probably close to a hundred now. I love and I that. met her at Sirius. I met her at Sirius through Jonathan Burroughs. Like he was of the Burroughs family, like Abe Burroughs, and um, and because he, he had produced Can Can, and so and Lilo is this spitfire of a woman. She's this petite little spitfire of a woman, and no nonsense. You've gained weight. You put on weight. You know, she's that kind of a woman. You know. Oh, um, I like. Anyway, <laughs> I took her to see. Marilyn May, which she loved, obviously. And then we went to see Can Can at the Paper Mill Playhouse. But I remember I, I had tickets to see Kiss Me Kate. I offered to take her to Kiss Me Kate. And she said, no, I don't want to go. I saw it already. And I thought to myself, I think she saw it in 1946. I think I think that's what she means. Um, and so <laughs> I... Uh, you know, and I've seen Chicago 21 times at this point. And you were in and it as well. I was in it as well, but I never tire of seeing Chicago. And there are so many shows that are worthy of revisiting and things resonate different differently. And listening to the songs, you, you know, I just had a revelation about sending the clowns the other day that I just said, wow, how did I not figure this out? after years and years of listening to the song, how did I not come to this conclusion? I don't know if anybody agrees with me, but it's that Glynis Johns was, you know, limited vocally. So he had to write around her limited range. Now what you get is da, 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 da. And I thought, but that gives you also the sense of somebody who doesn't have any air left in her, like she's deflated. Mm. She, she's, she's spent because she can't go farther up the, the vocal chain. It's also the emotional ladder. She just can't climb, take another step up the ladder. She's done everything she could. It's over. Mm. Everything crashed. And, and so it's when somebody says to you, what happened? And you just say, I don't know. It just, oh, I just this is what happened. I can't. I tried. I can't. I can't. There's nothing we can do. And the cadences are the way you would talk after you've just got off the phone and had a terrible breakup. And it wasn't like he was a fucking idiot. You know, he was an idiot. It was more like, yep, this isn't going to work. You That hollow, exhausted kind of. And I've never... I've never considered the song that way. Maybe because the melody is so bloody gorgeous and that's yeah. been just rubbing me up and down and making me excited all, all these years. But mm -hmm. I suddenly said, wow, it it's just the way you would talk to somebody who called you up and said, how did it go? What happened? You know, even the, well, maybe next year, it's like you, maybe next year. It's that final little, huh, oh. yeah, <laughs> that little... So you have to just keep on looking and looking again. And and, and that's if that kind of revelation thrills you. There oh, are people out there, you know. Does. My favorite my favorite revelation I had is my favorite musical is Les Mis. And um, I, in Who Am I, there is, a, it's a huge deciding moment for Valjean. Huge, huge, huge. And he is wondering if he's going to... Um, uh, go to the court and say, this guy that you've arrested is not who you think it is. I'm Jean Valjean. Right. And, you know, and in the, in the music you hear 
one day more. It's the same. It's the same. Right, right. And you hear da 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 da. And when he is going through all of these questions, we're meeting Eponine, Cosette, Marius. We're meeting everyone while he's making that decision because without, if he doesn't make that decision, he's not going to find love with Cosette. He's not going to know. Like he's just not. Oh. And so it's it's almost like this like go in this direction you're gonna we're gonna meet these people all of these people are gonna come into your life and so we actually are meeting these characters before he does before the audience does and it persuade and it and it's like this alluding to him going in that direction and i think it's absolutely i think that's my per, uh that's my dissection of it and my um that's my perspective but uh um, yeah i just think it's beautiful yeah and and you know it it's some of these things don't hit you right away. No, it's they, true. And you can just completely, you know, my favorite Sondheim song, theater song is no more from into the woods, which it's Come just the gift that keeps on giving, you know, yeah. it just never stops. And what did I, I don't know. I had another revelation about it. I have had so many that it's, um, you know, and it's always been my regret that I, I had a long letter drafted to him that I never sent him because it was a heavy one, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, and the flip side is this is just the flip side of all this is my brother, who was a news junkie, especially, you know, during the uh, Trump administration when we were all like always watching television every night waiting for the new fresh hell and the new like, what? What? You know, what? Um, my brother discovered my channel because he could have cared less. He didn't go out of his way to get serious. And then he had it, got a new car. He had me and he started listening. Wow. He's like, you know, this music, I tell you, it elevates your mood. You can't <laughs> be in a bad mood when you listen to it. I'm like, and he really likes it because it takes him out of his, you know, the, the reality of the terrible, terrible world we're in. And I know I don't, I, I have not watched the news since like, January 20th of last year. I mean, I don't know who the governor of New York is anymore. I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on in Russia or uh, I don't know anything. I, I, I don't care. I do care. I just don't have any stamina. I feel I hung I over. Spent. Yeah. I yeah, feel yeah. hung over from. I, I'm not proud, but. I, no, I feel the same way. I was up to date on everything during the Trump administration. And then now, and we need to still be holding our, our administration accountable for things. It's, you know, not perfect, but I'm also hung over, you know, I'm a COVID long yeah. hauler. I'm dealing with COVID long hauler shit every single day. I'm just also like, what does that mean? COVID long hauler? So I had, I, I had COVID in March of 2020 and I am dealing with uh extreme changes in my health since then really yes i didn't tell you this yeah 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 yeah. really bad really bad too i'm a i'm a physically i'm a different person and so my my uh my limitations and my capabilities are have changed completely but it's not necessarily a bad thing because um I'm doing things in my life now to change and make it more manageable and take care of myself. Something that I've never done in my life. Right. Never taken care of myself. Well, I can tell you that it will probably, it's, it could be indeed a blessing in disguise because a lot of people your age, uh, 
don't think about taking care of themselves until they're my age. And then uh, you got a lot of catching up to do. But to be forced to really address things now will probably serve you better and 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 s- s- probably save you some aggravation on other fronts physically and you know and so forth so it could be a blessing in disguise i have to say i do think so and i think you know we're we're all always learning that we're going to be learning forever and um i this is my this is my big thing that i'm going through and there are certain things that i want to do and i i i can't do unless i make certain changes and there are things that i want to or i'm used to doing that i can't do anymore and i and i don't have to any you know what i mean so uh-huh. um it's it's i uh, what a friend of mine said the other day you need to stop looking at the industry from the outside in you are a part of it and i got so emotional because it's like i'm still hustling at times as if i'm not a part of the industry um to be oh angel that's never gonna stop <laughs> i know i know i know i know i know you're like well, I mean, that. well no what that how should i put it let, let me rephrase <laughs> that the hustle will never stop right the sense of belonging you can work on that you can fix that but yeah. the hustle the hustle never stops yeah it never ever ever stops exactly and I've, perhaps the goal is to just appreciate the high part of the hustle and not the grind part of the hustle mm-hmm. so that um you know as you go on you realize well this is my choice this is what i you know what i wanted to do and um I mean, look, I was lucky enough to be in a long-term job for two decades. I had forbidden Broadway for the better part of 10 to 15 years all over the world. I was, oh, there was always a company for me, you know, uh, and then musical I did for 10 years. But none of those things paid enough money to survive solely on those salaries. So I always had the side hustles, always, 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 um, th- that I have had to have three jobs for 20 years to sustain a life in New York city. Mm-hmm. And none of them are, none, none of them are high paying jobs. Mm-hmm. They're all very, very, very modest to low paying jobs, but together, you know, they kept my head above water. So the hustle part, you know, and, and the hustle part, as long as the world is evolving and changing, the hustle will continue because you have to morph and look, just look, just I moved. Okay. And just looking through the backs of closets in very organized, tidy boxes, by the way, because I'm organized, but I kept a lot of stuff, but I found boxes of my, you're a photographer of my postcards with my headshots on them back in the day when we used to, you know, have postcards made of our headshots and we used to sit down and hand write or print out on our computer labels and send postcards out to casting directors. That's, that was the hustle then never got you a job. I mean, it never got you anything, but we did it. Um, and then I have cassette tapes of my voiceover, uh, work that had funny little labels that I made with the voice bubble on it. And I have a box of those. That was the hustle then. Mm-hmm. Now those things have to be transferred and I have to, you know, you have to, the mediums change and you got to transfer everything to the new medium. And it's, 
it's exhausting. So I transferred them over to CD. Now I have boxes of CDs that I just finished labeling like five years ago. You know what I mean? And like now I have to put them all. But I have to tell you, I am I still am hesitant to put to have electronic copies and only electronic copies of things because I really feel that if there's some sort of a major catastrophe in the world and you know if they had computers okay 500 years ago we wouldn't be able to read their data now right you, you know what i'm saying if if they had computers and then something happened and there was a you know a, a, a an asteroid hit all right and then a, a, a new <laughs> a, a a new version of mankind showed up and you know came out of the ashes they'd be looking at this data and wouldn't know how to you know but a piece of paper, a rock, something chiseled in stone, (laughs) you know, something drawn on a cave, something on a ceiling of a, you know, I, I don't know. But anyway, that's just my paranoia. I think it's wild. I think it's wild that they built the pyramids. We don't know how they built the pyramids. But see, that's the thing. But at least we have them. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So stuff disappears. And I think the first thing to go is going to be everything that's electronic. So I have stunning photographs and I want to make picture, you know, picture books out of them and, and, and stuff. Just, I don't know why, but it's all, that's like your hustle at home. That's the yeah. home hustle. So there's constant, constant, there's always something to do. There's such, always something to do. You have such an interesting career to me because it's like, you know, you made your Broadway debut in Little Me and then you did talk radio and then, um, or you did Chicago first and then talk radio. No, I did Little Me and talk radio. Yeah. So then Chicago. There's a long pause between dances. Trust me, it's long. <laughs> well, I'm I'm still waiting for my my first punch of my dance card. So uh-huh. you know, we'll we'll figure it out. But it was Bach for a while and Wicked, and now it's not now. But it's always been for me Roger Debris, Tenardier, everything. But I look right. Like, I look like I'm in middle school, except not with the beard. But when I shave, I look like I'm in middle school. So how do I, what do I do? Well, we got to figure out how to be a part of the industry and, 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 yeah. and pay my bills and create art and, you know, right. do all those things while I'm waiting for those, for me to grow into those roles and those, and those breakdowns. Yes, but Michael, I would, I would just like to turn this all back on to you and say, why don't you create sketch comedy? the very thing that you started to talk to me about and just create sketch comedy and create sketches for somebody who looks like he's in middle school or just somebody who doesn't look like he's in middle school, just somebody who is an actor who is acting, who somebody who looks like you, who has a quirky problem in a, in a sketch and just, you know, I have, I have two one person shows. My first one is Moo with me, which I did a few times in like 2008. And that's about when I photographed Adina Menzel. And um, so I have that show, which definitely needs a dusting off the old, the dusting off and also like a rewrite because then, then I went on to photographing our Carnegie Hall show, which is a story on, all on its own. So, um, so I have to do that. And cause I love, love, love her so much, like love her. Um, and so I, so much that I wrote a one person play about it. And then I have um, 54 Below in June asked me to help reopen the space with a show for Pride Month. And I did uh, Michael Kushner Sings His Hits. And it was from sort of the perspective of that I've won, you know, my three Tonys and that I'm, 
you know, doing my residency at 54 Below. And that was songs with like Springtime for Hitler and, you know, Bette Midler's Friends. And um, uh-huh. and the song that I told you about, I think the one that I learned about uh, from the Carol Channing documentary, um, she sings in the documentary, there's a three second clip of her going, anyone who's anyone is Jewish. And, <laughs> um, and I was like, what is, <laughs> what is that song? And it was... Um, Madeline, <laughs> Madeline Kahn is my favorite of all time. And, yeah. And, uh, and, sh- and so I was Facebook friends with this person. And when I, when I looked up the song, I Googled it, I saw that the Facebook friend wrote it for the upstairs and the downstairs. And he told me, cause I was going to sing it in my show. And I did, he said, the only people that have sung this before you is, um, is, uh, Betty Aberlin, Carol Channing, and Madeline Kahn. And I would be Aww. the fourth person. And I wound up singing it. And it was all, I mean, it's it's basically a patter song of all 60s people that um, anyone who's anyone is Jewish. And, you know, Beatrice yeah. Lil- Lily and her yarmulke and, yeah, yeah. you know, things. It was a great song. But the fact, it was so, bish- it was all beshared. It was all meant to be. And it was the fact that, you know, there was Madeline. And then there was the upstairs of the downstairs moment. And then it was like, I was Facebook friends with this guy. And like, it was just amazing. And that to me is what is so special about it. But I do have shows and I need to do them more. And you're completely right. Uh, and I love that I'm getting a lesson. But you don't even have to make them a full evening. You know what I mean? You could just write a sketch. You could just write a, give your, you know, write a two minute sketch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be a monologue. It can be, um, uh, with somebody else it can be you know a bit, uh, i remember carol burnett <clears throat> she did something and i said to her i don't know her well but i she i think recognizes me occasionally um and she's that. seen forbidden broadway many times and and i remember saying i saw a one woman show that i was about an english music hall performer that none of us would know but maybe people in england would and i thought it would be good for her and she said you know i i just i like having people i like looking them in the eye you know i just need to have somebody to bounce off of um and uh anyway it's just i'm just 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 talking at you the way you were talking in the beginning it doesn't have to be one person shows because those are daunting and they you know just create small little nuggets and what i said before it's we're all learning and if i'm gonna get a lesson today it's gonna i'll i'll um i'll take it from christine petty um wow we no, we have to we have to uh wrap up unfortunately but you know you do just in wrapping up um well, I have to wrap up because there's seven ambulances outside. Can you hear them? <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, or my you. buildings or my buildings on fire. I don't know. Well, if you if you smell anything, get out. The podcast yeah. isn't that <laughs> it's not that important. Um, but uh but so you have a you're doing a residency at the Green Room forty two and um which is very exciting. The first show was I mean, it was I was hollering the entire time, but you know, in the in the theme of learning about stuff is there anything that um you're sharing that's new or you learned about yourself in doing the first show you know one of the first after a pandemic or in the middle of a pandemic like what (sighs) what um what for you has been new and different about being on stage in this time well you know i have my own challenges because i'm dealing with a major handicap now that's on a daily basis taking my ability away from me because I, I have a vision loss. I'm blind in one eye and I'm losing my vision 
steadily in the other. And I don't want to be, uh, you know, I want to be hopeful that in this incredible world we live in, that, you know, they're going to have breakthroughs and stuff, but they're not fast enough for my money. So I have to handle what will become of me, literally, as far as a performer. Thankfully, I can still do radio. Um, but as a stage performer in musical theater, I am, I'm limited. I, you know, I, I, there's only so much I can do in a, in a, in a show with other people. Um, so cabaret is really, and always has been my favorite medium, because to be honest with you, you are the boss of you Mm -hmm. and, uh, you make your choices and you tell your stories and you create your arc and your evening. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be that if you don't want like that evening I put together for the first night at green room. I, I just picked a, what I thought was a decent selection of songs that, you know, had the wide variety of colors and, you know, ticked certain boxes, some that people expect, some that they don't, because I have to grow and do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I also expanded in that I had a guitar and a bass with my nephew, which was a dream. My father always dreamt of us working together, and he's really enjoying expanding and growing in this world because he's never done that. He's been more in the rock, um, you know, independent music world. And he was wonderful, too. Yeah, and he's a delightful, a, a delightful presence on stage. Um, I appreciated the fact that doing this once a month is forcing me to just uh, get it done. You know, I, look, I've always been a, I've always been a, a um, subscriber of just. We called it in Forbidden Broadway, I think, like guerrilla musical theater. Yeah. You know, or I call it drop your pants and go. Just, <laughs> you know, you just it you just do it until the if the paint is just tacky enough to put your fingers on it, you can go out on stage. Mm-hmm. It's like wet paint, maybe not wet, wet paint, but just, just slightly dry, you know? Uh, so it, it's giving me a forced deadline, which I appreciate. Um, it's allowing me to work through my disability as my disability um, challenges me more rather than give me giving me six months between, you know, solo cabaret shows. If I do it every month, I won't be as shocked by changes in my in my vision. Um I also I think what this is gonna do is um uh, allow me to s- sort of appreciate the audience because because of the web because of the virtual tickets, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a new sensation knowing that people are watching it's and it's a lovely feeling knowing that people are watching that they took the time that they care enough that they you know they spent the money that they sat down on the couch or they they went into a corner with their ipad and they're they're focusing on me i i i get that that takes a lot because i can't do it myself um and so it has added a new perspective to what i do um, I don't know. There's just a, a lot of challenges. It's it's a, it's my really my favorite art form. I really have to say, it's uh, it is storytelling at its most intimate. You're in a small room with, you know, a small group of people, and you're telling a story, or you're retelling a story because you didn't write it most of the time. It's somebody else's story, 
but you are, um, you're still the interpreter of it. And, uh, and I just love that, whether it's the highest comedy, you know, my favorite thing, I don't know if one of my favorite things, I've always wanted to do it for Carol Burnett. I don't know that I'll ever get the opportunity to, but the artificial flowers that I did, that to me is very Carol Burnett-ish. So I don't want to give away what I did, but it's, um, to me, it's very, it's very Carol Burnett-ish. And, um, I love coming up with unexpected takes on songs and I just love the warmth of being in a cabaret. It's my favorite place to be next to a Broadway theater, maybe more so to be in a room because you get food, <laughs> you get, you get to eat and drink. I mean, come, I really, yeah, that just makes it as perfect as perfect can be. You get to eat and drink and be cozy and there's not too many people around and you get Oh, every seat's a good seat in a cabaret room, really, honestly. Even the worst seat in the house is still closer than in a Broadway theater. Yeah. So you just can't lose if you know you like the performer. You also get to mess up. And I mean that in a positive way. Like I'll say. You get to, you know what I mean? Like, And people oh, love that. People, do you ever. People pay. Or do I ever. <laughs> people want to see you. In, they want to see you. And some of the best ways that you could see who you are is in the in-between moments, the moments where you go, oh, what the fuck is happening next? Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, when I put together a show a month, trust me, with all that wet paint, <laughs> yeah, I won't know, you know, I won't know what day it is or what my, my name is or anything, so let alone the next lyric, so. Well, we know what your name is. We love you, and we can't wait to see you. For those of you listening and wanting to see Christine Petty live her next show at uh, the Green Room 42 is February 20th. Virtual tickets start at $19 and in-person tickets start at, at $29. And then the next show, March 31st, same thing, same deal, $19 virtual tickets and $29 in-person tickets. Christine Petty, you are the absolute best. And I can't wait to uh, hang with you again soon. It's always my favorite time. Well, you're an angel and you're very proactive and you're very kind and uh, you're very... Um... Well, you're a hyphenate. You can tell, you know, it's, it's, but it's good. It's, Thank it's you. like, it's, that's how we learn more about one thing gets better by all the other things we do. And I think it also helps us relax a little bit. You don't take the one thing so seriously, yes. you know, because you realize just how capable or possible the capable you are or how possible other things are. Um, and you know, this is what I say to all young people starting out, which you're young enough is that if I could tell myself, look, I'll tell myself now my decrepit old self now, but if I could tell my very young and elastic self of 30 years ago, I would just say, just relax, just relax, just unclench. This is, you know, you, you, you went into this for the joy. You didn't go into it for the money. And so, you know, <laughs> if you can't, if you can't enjoy it, then what's the point? And the best way to do that is to just relax. Don't sweat it. There'll be something, especially the poor people who young, young people who are doing it in the pandemic. You know, if this doesn't teach you that you have to roll with it, you know, minute to minute, uh, if you're just able to stand up and, you know, put one foot in front of the other and, you know, do your daily tasks and find a little joy and light and color and music and whatever. Just, just relax. <laughs> just relax. 
Christine Petty, you're the best. No, you are. No, you are. All right. Well, like, good news is my building's not on fire. So That's good. We've, I've never heard more sirens in an interview in my life. My apologies. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's a hotbed over here. It, but I my building's it. not on fire. Somebody probably just burnt the microwave popcorn. And, uh, it happens. We, we've all done it. Thank you so much to everyone who listened. Please remember to like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, your family, your audition buddies, your professors, anyone. Uh... I'm so glad that you listen, and thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network, Alan Dory, Katie, Yo, Patrick, you're all fabulous. And again, follow Dear Multi-Hyphenate on Instagram. You can contact me through my website, dearmultihyphenate.com, or dearmultihyphenate at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have. Be kind, be careful, and be yourself, everyone. Talk soon. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.